Hello, and welcome to Mr. America, The Bearded Truth, covering political and social issues one liberty at a time, with entertaining insights of current events and important discussions on topics that affect us all, shining the torch of liberty and brightening the future by bringing libertarianism into our everyday life. And now, your host, the friendly neighborhood libertarian, Jason Lyon, Mr. America, The Bearded Truth, on Muddy Waters Media. Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Monday night, which means that we're back here again. And if you guys missed it, this I was the last one to run a show. But the good news is we've got a full week lined up for us. This week, you, of course, have me coming on tonight, Mr. Murka, the Bearded Truth, Jason Lyon, I've got a wonderful guest, David Fight, who's been fighting the good fight, pun entirely intended. For years, he's been helping sculpt and change the future of America, and of course, every campaign and every person that he's personally been involved and engaged with. Tomorrow night, we have Spike Cohen and Matt Wright traversing the muddy waters of freedom. Amazing. Wednesday night, we'll have My Fellow Americans with Spike Cohen. And Thursday, we're not going to have the writer's block, and I'm sorry about that, because we're going to have the Muddy Zoom. So if you guys have not already, you guys got to get over there to anchor.fm slash muddywaters slash subscribe. So before I bring on the guests, before we dive into all of this, got to say thank you to Matt and Spike for continuing to give me another platform to come out here to give you guys my views, my stances, my opinions, and my thoughts on, on the different topics that we do cover here. It's amazing to be able to have this opportunity, and I'm so grateful for that each and every week that we're here. You guys are hearing this, whether you guys are hearing this on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitch, on Float, on Twitter, wherever it is that you're seeing us live, we appreciate you and love you deeply. And thank you for interacting with those posts, with those with those streams, wherever you guys are. Appreciate it so much. Or if you're hearing this later on in the podcast taking us on the go thank you we're on each and every one of your favorite ones and of course anchor is the main host so make sure you guys are subscribing to us over there which is where you can drop comments um leave voice messages for matt and spike for their show on tuesday nights you can go there to anchor.fm slash waters and as i've already said if you guys have not joined in to the subscribing base to get the exclusive content from the muddy teams from spike from matt from myself um and from everybody Make sure you guys get on over there to anchor.fm slash muddiedwaters slash subscribe where you'll be a part of the exclusive group and get the email invitation for this Thursday night to join the Muddy Zoom where you get to hang out with us, have have a good conversation, chat it up, ask your questions, and be a part of the Muddy team. And of course, if you're looking to get Muddy Waters gear, Head on over to muddywatersmedia.com slash store. I don't have any of the shirts on right now. I've got my Mr. Murica shirt, which potentially may be coming on there here in a little bit but there's plenty of other great merchandise where you can be repping it on your phone you can be wearing it on your neckerchief on your mask you can wear it on your shirt it's a beautiful beautiful thing when you're repping one of the greatest companies out there giving you independent news in a world where the media it just isn't giving it to you right i want to give a couple quick shout outs to a couple of our sponsors for tonight's show uh, Kelsey Lion Designs. If you're looking for a graphic designer, somebody who's going to revolutionize your campaign, your website, your branding, your company, 
or just looking to, to take your party invitations to the next level, KelseyLionDesigns.com. She's going to take care of you in a way that you've never been taken care of before, and it's amazing. So make sure you guys go over there to KelseyLionDesigns.com. Use the code MUDDIEDWATERS to get 10% off. The Royal Green Series by Jack Casey. It's a story of authoritarians and revolutionaries, a young man and a woman seeking independence and meaning in a kingdom on the brink of civil war. Romance, espionage, action, and psychological drama, elements of horror and mystery, and spirituality as well. Dark fantasy with magical realism and libertarian overtones. Themes of forgiveness and redemption. Written by the author while undergoing his own journey to find liberty and answers deep answer deep questions that have been on his mind and the newest sponsor nug of knowledge get on over there to nug of knowledge use the code mr bearded truth you're going to 10 percent off so this is one of those if you guys watched my show last week with dan berman dan berman is the man he is the man with the knowledge he's got it there and he wants to give you nugs of it he wants to help you out there's plenty of products on there and because of the way that it's set up legally he can't actually talk about what the products do but i guarantee you if you know anything about these things when you go over there, you're going to have a good time from them. It's going to take care of you. So make sure you guys get over to nugofknowledge.com. Use the code Mr. Beard of Truth. You're going to get 10% off. You guys can also head on over to taxationistheft.info. Use the code Mr. Beard of Truth there as well. You're going to get 10% off the merch there where you could be going out there and letting everyone know. Then all those statists know. That taxation is, in fact, theft. You can start off those conversations being defensive and working at a way of breaking through to some people to understanding that taxation is merely taking from people. And it's not right. We learn this in kindergarten. We learn this at a young age that you don't take people, don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. And it's time that we apply that to our own politics. And so you can take this stuff by going to taxation is theft.info and use the code Mr. Bearded Truth and you'll get 10% off that merch as well. So, without further ado, I got to bring on the man, the myth, the legend, David Fight. He has been working on campaigns, he's been working with his podcast, he's been engaging on all the different social medias and is a wonderful, wonderful guy, um, a wealth of knowledge. And truly, I've seen him interact with people across the spectrum. And just a man that exudes uh, empathy and is able to reach out to people and have those conversations and really break down some of those barriers for them. And so I'm excited for this tonight. I've got the man on. He's going to talk to us about the praxis of liberty, the idea that we don't just talk about it, the, the idea that we just don't fight on on political issues about it, but we actually exude these things in our own personal lives in order to give people the understanding that these things work. So, without further ado, we have the man himself, David Fight. Hey, how's it going, man? It's going great. Thanks for having me on. Oh, absolutely. I'm so glad that you're here, and uh, I'm glad that we're. I had to go grab up. the hat. Yeah. Yeah. So, as you guys can see, um, I don't want to. I don't want to knock David too much, but um, he's got version one of the hat. I've got version two, so you guys can get the old version, mm -hmm. or you guys can get with the hit. With the new times, with the 2022, if you will. <laughs> he takes take it off. He's off, like, no, though. I'm not about this life. 
It's like the reflection from the light is bothering me. It's just shining. Oh, also, I don't actually like how I look in hats. Yeah, um, it. I, I struggle with it too. Like I got it, and I was like, "Babe, can I bend it?" And she was like, "Don't bend it yet." I'm like, "Can I bend it?" Don't bend it, babe. So I, I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, Jacob yeah. blazes in the comment section. I've already been accused of murdering Betty White. Um, it, it's 2022, starting off in a great way. I'm so excited for this. Um, and just. We talked about this last week, of course, uh, but now we also have, nope, forgot his name, Bob Saget. Bob Saget is also gone early in 2022. What a, what a way to start off this year. So, mm-hmm. David, do you have any good news for us uh, to start off 2022? Oh, uh, yeah, nothing that can combat Bob Saget and Betty White, uh, bro. It really was a, an interesting way to kick it off. It didn't. New Year's didn't really feel like New Year's this this time it around. Didn't. I don't know. That week is always really weird to me because like Christmas is pretty much my favorite. Has always been my favorite holiday. Then my birthday is the December 29th and then Happy New Year's. Related. So oh, thank you. Uh, so it's always like a really weird week of just like all of the. You've got the family bullshit. Then I turn a year older, and then the world turns a year older. Like all the nostalgia, all the bullshit, kind of crammed into one week. Um, and this year it was just really strange. It was my 25th birthday, just like a, a milestone or supposed to be. And I just kind of like chilled and I don't know. It's, it's weird for your 25th birthday. That is the year that if you're a single unmarried man, well, unmarried man, that's when your insurance drops off drastically, like the cost of it. That's the only thing that's great about the 25th uh, 25th anniversary of you being alive of you going around the mm-hmm. world, or the sun 25 times at least in my opinion but yep. it kind of sucks um because i feel like as we get older it, it becomes more mundane with the birthdays and and so maybe for your 26 we'll we'll figure yeah. something out we'll we'll make it uh make it a big <coughs> big shindig holy smokes i can't even talk tonight this is this is 2022 is the year that Jason can't talk. So <laughs> exciting stuff. <laughs> I, I'll work on that. Um, so I talked a little bit. I, I briefly touched on on you campaigning and you having a podcast. And, and so I want to know. I want to hear what are some of your highlights? What are what are the, some of the things? Because I've heard your name be affiliated with some of the campaigns out there that are doing great and beautiful things. And so I want to know what is it that David Fight is doing? How, what campaigns have you worked on? And how can we take David Fight into the future to help fight in future campaigns? Like, how can I market you? Wow. Um, so at the moment, uh, I have an unofficial position on Tom Queter's campaign tom for 52.com um, com. uh i was i was the fundraising director i was kind of half fundraising director half deputy campaign manager and then i've been just kind of replacing myself on those roles and stepping back to more an advisor role uh because i will actually be i'm selling out for about a month i'm going to be going to texas and knocking doors for a republican campaign because they're going to pay me more than anyone else in politics has paid me up to this point so i'm gonna go do that um but then i will most likely be back uh either to help out larry sharp and tom queter or um there is a gubernatorial race going on in maine this year that i'm very excited about um 
because it started off as just a, a ballot access campaign. Mostly, you know, it's, it's, it's the campaign that has to be run for them to keep ballot access. They need 5%. Uh, so their vice, uh, the main vice chair, uh, Harrison Kemp, was going to run. And, you know, it was we were hoping for 5 10% somewhere in there. And then uh, both of his opponents started just bombing interviews, bombing like just many of the important talking points in Maine. Uh, he started getting a lot of key endorsements, like right off the bat, like campaigns only been live for about two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's already got uh, some great people from, he's got people from Ron Paul's campaign. He's got former uh, like state house reps. He's got the person that legalized cannabis in Maine working on his campaign. He's so uh, they're doing some awesome stuff up there and I'm probably going to be up there helping them out for the rest of the year. That's awesome. So I, w- I want to touch on something because you brought it up and, and it's something that I think a lot of us libertarians, we've gotten criticized for this. And, and so I think it's important that we touch on it. And that is that we don't look at the collective in the same way, many of us libertarians. And some of us libertarians are really, really, um, I don't even know the word I'm, I'm trying to think of, but they're really stringent on, on just focusing on the collectives, right? We see this with caucuses and the party. We see this with, with Republicans and with Democrats. And, and certainly, right, you, you spoke about a financial gain or a financial means of surviving by working for a Republican. But it doesn't mean that a Republican mm-hmm. is entirely off. And, and certainly in the past, I've worked with Republican can, candidates and campaigns and helped align them more to liberty. And that is always an impressive thing. That's always something that is needed because while we take, while we as the libertarians, we're striving to make large strides within the party to make a difference in our culture and our society and everything else, we can make small incremental changes for our not so liberty loving people, but we can make those changes even working for Republican candidates and we can spread those messages even kind of under the radar, you know, as, as we canvass, whether we're door knocking, mm-hmm. phone calling or whatever else, it'd be like, Hey, well, here's a Liberty issue that I could sprinkle into the conversation. So there's before anyone wants to get upset about somebody working for a Republican or a Democrat, there is things that we can be doing and help, help advance that. And so I, I wanted to touch on that real quick, but there's something else yeah. that you're doing that I think is, is really important for, and, and I say this because of where I'm sitting right now, because of what we're doing right now. And that is, of course, your podcast, where you have had just your guest list is is amazing all on its own. But you're having real sit down conversations with with candidates, with uh, libertarians. You recently had me on, which, you know, that's 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 peak right there. Highlight. Um, yeah, right there. <laughs> but, you know, tell me a little bit about your your podcast. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, uh, honestly, the, the guest list, I cannot be more grateful for, uh, I had a really weird, crazy, awesome 2021 that enabled me to connect with a lot of people that I never thought possible. Uh, but the show's called fight for Liberty spelled F I T E. It's a pun because I love puns. So all of these fighting puns that you're making, they're Yes. chef's kiss i Finally. love it um <laughs> uh, <laughs> appreciates it <laughs> oh yes i've i've always been a, a fan of puns it's the main reason that rap is my favorite genre because it's 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 an entire genre based yeah. around puns that's all it is yes yeah. fantastic 
but yeah, the, so Fight for Liberty, uh, the goal of the show is to bring on people that I see uh, fighting for liberty and to try to get a, a little bit of a, a humanizing and kind of getting to know them for especially kind of uh, I have a lot of people on that are more behind the scenes and don't do this kind of stuff very often I do have some like a lot of podcasters and candidates who talk a lot but then I like to get like campaign managers and you know director of operations style people also to try to uncover some of the back-end work that goes into a lot of these movements uh, with the main goal uh, that you know, somebody watching can hear someone that's doing something that they would find fun, uh, that they would find engaging and interesting, and kind of spark something and really tie in a lot of skills that people don't often associate with the liberty movement, with the liberty movement, because uh, actually, I'll, I'll, talk about your wife real quick because i'm really excited about that episode coming up um like i, I want to talk about using graphic design and marketing and branding for liberty for activists because you know we need logos and and branding and that kind of stuff the stuff that people often just associate with business marketing we need all that for our PACs, for our organizations for our state parties for our candidates um and that's a skill set that a lot of people that are joining the party and joining the movement aren't getting tapped into. They might do that kind of stuff professionally or as a hobby and not realize how desperately necessary it is for the Liberty Movement. So like I had Dan Smots on to talk about video editing. Uh, I had Caitlin Cloven on to talk about like social media and data. I had uh, Dan Fishman on to talk about fundraising and kind of like the back end data of, of building up a pack and the stuff that he does with people for Liberty. Um, yeah, with kind of the hope that I ignite something in my viewers that, you know, they go, oh, I, I want to kind of maybe try that out, see if I can help somebody out with that. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And and I love the name drops there. Um, fantastic people through and through. And, and you had mentioned branding. And this is something that a lot of people miss is like, what is the importance of branding? And hmm. it's 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 more than just pictures. It's more than just logos. It's more than just having like a vibe on your website. It's, you know, all of us have our different things, right? And you just spoke about what your podcast was with your branding, right? Of being able to attach people to different aspects of what libertarianism is, how to connect things together to, to help promote that, to give people the, the first step into liberty and or opportunities to grow with that. But it's like here on this platform, like for my show here on Mr. Murphy, the Beard of Truth, like we focus a lot on criminal justice reform, but that's not, mm. it's not just stuck at, on the legislative side. It's the cultural side. It's the social side. It's the, how do we look at, at, at people who were in the system, right? Who were, you know, commonly called felons. Um, how do we, how do we change the optics and, and through and through every, every which way? And so it's, how do we, that's my branding right is is centered mm -hmm. around that but of course we want to expand it a little bit as much as we can without going too far off base but it's something that's so incredibly important that people understand that so i'm I'm excited for that show and and coming up with my my beautiful wife um i'll, I'll mm -hmm. share it for you for the night um <laughs> but <laughs> it it's so incredibly important and so i'm i'm excited for your platform how long have you been doing your show for how you know, you're on episode like 6,633 or something. Um, uh, episode, I'm in the hundred and teens. I think uh, tomorrow is 115. 
so I I started the channel uh, and the the I guess brand of Fight for Liberty uh, just before I started running for office in 2019. I kind of started both my campaign and the brand simultaneously, and was uh, I had two websites and two account like Facebook pages, and was kind of uh, doing both. I was trying to. I was trying to build a brand that could carry on past the campaign because obviously it wasn't going to be a winning campaign. I was running for New York City Council in Flatbush, Brooklyn. I'm a white dude as a libertarian running against a black female Democrat in uh, in Flatbush. Had no chance. I took third. Um, hey, third place there wasn't even a. Let's go. <laughs> there was there was only three. <laughs> hey, still better than fourth. <laughs> um, I actually had a ballot line and and lost to someone who had to uh, petition uh, as an independent and like get on the ballot. So there was somebody that had to like fight to get on the ballot that still kicked my ass. Um, But uh, so I started the channel. Then I kind of took a hiatus while I was working for Tulsi Gabbard from November 2019 to March of 2020 and then came home at the beginning. She was a heartthrob for a lot of libertarians, and and this oh was, my god, I love that woman. Yeah, no, and going back to the point that kind of I jumped off on the first one, this is she is spot on for a lot of liberty subjects, and there were mm-hmm. many libertarians that said, "Hey, look, you're spot on for this stuff, but there's some stuff that we got to work with you on, and and we can mm-hmm. we can have that opening, we can have that opportunity." And so, you know, once again, it's like get ignore the things that we don't have common ground on and, and try to weasel our way on those and, and work our way in into making change there. But there's a lot of goodness that was there in Tulsi Gabbard. I mean, the way that she roasted our current vice president, everybody <laughs> remembers that iconic mic drop. Oh yeah. Well, nobody roasts a pig like a Hawaiian, oh, you know, just... I had so many gifs of that on, on Twitter. Speaking of, is it GIF or GIF in your opinion? I say GIF. All right. Uh, so it's, that's going to be the show, for guys. Graphics. You guys have a great night. The G is graphics. <laughs> it's GIF. Um, but no, I'll actually, yeah, I'll, I'll back up more of uh, your earlier bit about actually being able to make change on some of these campaigns because uh, Tulsi, the presence of libertarians, not only on her campaign, but in her following at her events, uh, she noticed that she was picking up libertarians and started listening. Um, like when I joined her campaign, she had uh, an assault, like uh, assault weapons ban was part of her platform. Um, between October of 2019 or so, uh, September, October, when I joined the campaign till the end, we not only, we got her to, take that platform off of her website, then change her opinion on the actual policy plank um, and, and eventually get her to not only disagree with uh, like pushing it, but disagree with like defending it. She would, st- we still couldn't get her to the point where like, if Congress passed it, she would still sign it because she's one of those, like uh, I'm the, the president and I represent the people. And if the people want it, I would give it to them stands. I can work with that. Like she's a constitutionalist. Yeah. Mountains were moved yeah. to get her to that point though. 
Yeah. And well, actually, so she barely even supported it to begin with. I think it was pandering for the most part. Uh, when the assault weapons ban went through Congress, she did end up co-sponsoring it, but she was the last co-sponsor and the last vote on the bill um, and got lambasted by her constituency for hesitating. She's from Hawaii, is a very anti-gun culture. Yeah. Like they leave their doors unlocked. No one has a gun. No one hurts people. They're nice people. They don't need guns. It's just not part of their culture and so they wanted an assault weapons ban and she got roasted in the local media and by local talking heads until finally she did her job as a representative and voted the way that her constituents wanted her to which like i i hate it but yeah. also i can't i can't really hate it but she was also like the first event that i went to like we were giving out pocket constitutions at the events to like everyone that came and uh like anytime she brought up gun control she would always give like so many caveats about like never a mandatory buyback never uh like take like we have she cared a lot about the second amendment but also about safety and she'd been brainwashed yeah to believe that some of this stuff might be better for safety um but i'll give a huge shout out to uh reed coverdale the host of uh, the naturalist capitalist uh, he was also a volunteer on the Tulsi campaign and he annoyed the shit out of her until like she would listen to him on this point. She literally gave him like a 13 page letter that like just detailed why he believed that she doesn't really believe her points here and and like bit by bit and like just continuously bothered her like did you read it yet did you read it yet did you read it yet until like part of my job was to distract him from her so she <laughs> didn't have to put up with him that was like a phase for a little while and then she finally read it um but the end and i between me and reed we brought a solid two-thirds of her main campaign team and a gigantic chunk of her online following into the libertarian party with us uh when we like when that campaign went under uh jacob hornberger was the loudest anti-war candidate with her out of, out of the running and a lot of people joined the party out of that campaign yeah and you know she says a bunch of dumb things especially now she's been getting more obnoxious but i still love her she's still a great person that's it's an amazing success story and 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 it should be framed as nothing but because whether she was leaning whether she was like kind of just following the herd you guys got her to stop think about it and to change her stance on it and that mm -hmm. right there is i i feel like we get stuck in this collectivism of of you know democrats and republicans are evil and we say this right and we're open with this but at the same time mm -hmm. i came from the republican party you know i know plenty of other people who came from the republican party i know plenty of other people who came from the democratic party and so we made that switch one day we woke up and we said mm -hmm. this isn't the right thing and so we made that that switch and so regardless of how long someone has tenure within those parties, we have those opportunities. And then by us sticking our necks out, going out there and being criticized for working for a Democrat or a Republican, we have those opportunities to make change. Um, that's incredible. Um, mm -hmm. But I want to, I want to dive into the topic now that we're halfway through of what I wanted to bring you on for. And certainly not just to sit here and pontificate and get people to uh, <laughs> change their minds on, on policies, but, 
how do we as a society change the culture and 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 everything else how do we live in liberty to show people that liberty is a better way um i think that that's basically the best way to, to frame like the overall conversation and so you've met thousands of people at this point and i'm sure thousands of people have had their hearts and minds changed by you and so i want to know some of your success stories of of people that you've impacted uh whether they've made it apparent to you or you just kind of got that inkling that they have, I, I, I can remember a couple of people have changed and they were like, they came back and they put me in tears from the changes that they've been through. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to know, like, how do we, how do we live in Liberty? Well, uh, so I'll start off with, I think that I, I was very lucky to be raised uh, religious um, I'm not anymore, but I was brought up in the church and, uh, you know, wanted to be a missionary, wanted to be a pastor, like very much studied like evangelical philosophy and, and apologetics and like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I got very into that part of my faith at a young age and continue that on into my twenties. And I think that that transfers over very well into libertarianism. I think that there is a political ideology called libertarianism. And I think there's a life philosophy called libertarianism and they're not quite the same. And not a whole lot of people in the party actually believe in the life philosophy. Uh, But I think a lot of people in the country do. Most of those people are extremely apolitical uh, and a chunk of them probably know of the libertarian party and hate it for, for, for good reason. Um, Yes. Uh, I won't shit on the LP too much in this, uh, but um, I, I feel like the last couple of guests I've had, we we we've had like a small segment where we just shit on the LP. It's completely oh, okay. oh yeah, Berman and I are uh, are in in a very very similar camp at the moment of anti LP, um, but yeah, so I I think that a lot of the things that you learn growing up in church are applicable to libertarianism, like the simple, the simplicity of it, of just living life, uh, messaging slowly and methodically to the people around you, showing people that what they've heard about libertarians and what they've heard about anarchy and what they've heard about our ideology is not true. Um, And we, that's going to take time. Uh, and, and it takes kind of a breakdown of, of a lot of built up brainwashing. And so, um, I think the, you asked about success stories and I'll speak on, uh, probably my favorite, which happened last year. I literally just met a girl on Twitter. Uh, she was part of the unity 2020 movement. So she was already anti-duopoly, but, uh, late twenties, first time being active politically, uh, and just kind of ran into her on Twitter once and started interacting with her. And then uh, one of my friends actually added us to a group chat and made us talk and then like invited her on my show for me to like make us talk because I was falling for and I didn't have the guts to like actually make the first move. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) I like it. (laughs) But uh, over a few months of, you know, us talking, I introduced her to a lot of my friends uh, from like the ex Tulsi groups and and the LP groups uh, introduced her to people like Reed. um, And then, you know, now she knows most of my friends uh, in the LP. And 
is now uh i think january 6th was probably the best because she was posting like a whole bunch of like really based like really based like this is was a fed surrection kind of like just hella based stuff she's like sending me a message like am i gonna get like am i on a watch list now and i was like yes probably yes you are (laughs) welcome welcome to the club welcome (laughs) Uh, but it was it was dozens of conversations uh both in person online on the phone uh just twitter threads or group chat conversations we co-hosted a podcast together for a little bit and one of the episodes was literally just me her reed coverdale and magnus panfidia who's a, an anarchist leader from the boogaloo and it was like a three-on-one like anarchy versus status oh. debate like only maybe like three months into our friendship so like you put she her was like an- first. That's good. <laughs> oh yeah and it wasn't even on purpose but it's just what it turned into and um but it took a year you know of of a close friendship and a lot of like uh conversations me being an asshole and putting her off to anarchy for a little bit uh, because i said the wrong things or was too argumentative or gloaty about winning an argument um and then like having to correct and but you know, she's more libertarian than a lot of the people, like than I was when I ran for office. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think a lot of stories are, are similar to that where, you know, I also do door knocking and like field work for campaigns where I only get one conversation with people, but I much prefer just taking a couple dozen people under your wing and just growing them up in Liberty because that's what we need you plant the seeds and you get to watch it you get to watch the first couple leaves sprout out and you get to watch like and you know like you come if you were to fast forward 20 years from now that's gonna be a full-blown liberty bush just wild and free um don't google liberty bush guys that's don't 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 google that i don't know what that's gonna (laughs) find but don't don't google that um (laughs) but but th- <sighs> those are the things, right? Is like when you have those reoccurring encounters. And and I want to share with you one of mine. And so this was early on before I was a libertarian. Before I was a libertarian, I was I was a huge advocate of healthcare, right? I've spoken about certificate need on this show. I've I've spoken about ways of breaking down barriers to move us towards a more free market healthcare system so we can break down those barriers. And I had a follower from Arizona, and she was a healthcare, universal healthcare for all advocate. She was a Bernie bro, and that was her stance. And so over the course, kind of like what you're saying, I took her under my wing, and we had like a lot of one-on-one conversations. And it finally happened, probably around like five or six months later, she messaged me one morning. She said, you're right, free market. And that's all it took tears just just Hmm. if you've heard the story from matt wright when i got invited to come on to muddy waters media of me squealing like a girl and and being all giddy that was it that was me because i had Hmm. made such an impact for somebody just on the political side now not even changing up the way that she functions in her day-to-day but i'd broken i chipped away and i changed that one stance and now potentially broke the dam right how how much 
further is she going to come to the side of liberty in future things? How much more is she going to come to me? And she did come to me for a lot of other conversations, and we had some progress there as well. But it was that first thing, and that 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 will always be like the person that I think of. Um, I still remember it was on Periscope, and it was Aspen. That was her. That was her Twitter handle. Mm. And and so I still I will always remember Aspen because it was like that big success story of changing someone's perspective on something. Um, but it's this isn't just about how we view outside of our own lives. This is also about how we deal with our day to days. And you had spoke mm -hmm. about it and you had said like, you know, it's those radical anarchists. It's those radical people that don't vote that aren't in engaged with politics. I have a couple great friends down here that I watch them. I love them. They, they, they're incredibly successful in their businesses. Incredibly successful. I think it's weird that, I would say like they have a better chance of being successful in their businesses than, than a status, than even libertarians, than just a regular run of the mill libertarians, because they go, mm -hmm. their mindset is, is changed for this is the way I survive. And this is what I'm going to do to be successful. And so they are changing, they're adapting, they're innovating because they know that they don't, they can't just say, I'm going to expect somebody else to make the change for us, such as the political process. Right. And, yeah. and they're applying the non-aggression principle to business. They're not being, uh, to use a commie term, you know, they're not uh, like being exploitative in their business models. Most of the time, they're just, they're trying to help people provide a service and make a living out of it uh, and just kind of do a thing mm -hmm. instead of, you know, they're not part of that evil big business, whatever, uh, even if they are successful and it's a fairly large business, they're not doing any of the nasty things that end up destroying companies in the end and yeah and and best believe like whenever they hear a subsidy come in their way they're like fuck no um <laughs> because they're like no don't don't steal from people to give to me i don't need it I'm, I'm gonna do this on my own and these are the people that like i love to see and oftentimes we see them i see them on facebook come across my feed and they're all fucking camping every week and i'm like Fuck you, first of all, for having that freedom. And fuck you for being so successful. I need to be successful like you so that I can go camping and enjoy like a sunset and a sunrise in the same day. It's like, no, I'm too tired. I can't do this. <laughs> can relate. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think that something that liber a lot of libertarians miss out on is... Uh, you know, and, and I critique I critique us a lot uh, for focusing too much on government issues uh, and not enough on some of the other places in our life that we're getting exploited and, and fucked over and uh, losing freedom and liberty. Uh, you know, whether that's the the shift from uh, home ownership to the renter market that we have now, or the massive centralization of food distribution. Um, mm -hmm. or, you know, the rise of Amazon, whatever, whatever it is, there's a lot of things going on right now. Uh, also, I'll throw in like big tech monopolies into that mix too, uh, where we, we've gotten to a point as humans where it's difficult to live without giving a significant portion of our time, money, energy, and data to one of like 12 people who we fucking hate with yeah. a burning passion and complain about constantly. Um, like I've, I've never given a dime of my money to Amazon. I never will. Um, I've 
been able to stay clear of that one. However, I still use Google products. I still shop at Walmart. I've been to McDonald's, you know, like there's a, there's plenty other places where I'm a complete hypocrite on this. I can, I've held true to Amazon, but that's about it. Um, And a lot of the living in Liberty is fighting that. And you have to do it through the free market. We have to vote with our dollars and actually not give our time, energy, money, and data to those people and choose to fight centralization in all of these various areas. So like go to your fucking farmer's market and not to Walmart to buy your vegetables this week. Like it's, I know it's winter, so it's difficult in a lot of places, but right now there are so many, the South is covered in snow right now. So they're freaking out out here. Um, Actually my work is hilarious five hours tomorrow. Because of snow that happened yesterday. Um, I went out driving. I drive a little Hyundai Elantra. Not lifted. Regular summer tires. Like not even not even all weather tires. And I'm out there just drifting and having a good old time out there. In the, I, I, I lived a lot uh, for a good while in Alaska. Which is where I primarily learned mm-hmm. how to drive. Snow is just snow. Like give yeah. me an e-brake and I'm, I'm good to go. I can get anywhere. Um <laughs> So right now, yes. That's not good driving advice, kids, if you're no, watching. If this. you don't know what you're doing, don't do it. Um, But you're absolutely right. It's a little difficult right now, but it is – that's so incredibly important. I was I was going to say, you know, without living without Amazon – okay, first of all, Kelsey just died. Um, We have Amazon come way too frequently. Um, <laughs> way too frequently. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right. How do you shop local? How do you support your community? How do you support other people around you? And you know, you're you're starting down that path of shop local, shop at your farmers market, help out people within your community. You don't need to su- mm-hmm. help those subsidized companies. You need to help the people that are living it on their. But, but I'll, yeah. I'll let you. I'll let you continue on. Well, um, I'll just add like one of the one of the most tangible ways that people can do this and and you know fight one of the more most harmful. Uh, big businesses is close your mega bank account, whether it's Chase or Bank of America or anything like that, close it, open a credit union account, find a local credit union in your area and open an account there. Um, That like the, I could, I could talk for a very long time about the, the problems of big banks, but um, like, that's one of the main things that we need to just as a society starve out because uh, they're they f- exclusively feed off of the poorest and most uh, like disenfranchised of us, and we continue to give them money, and it makes absolutely no sense. Um, and it's something that like mo- no matter where you live in the country, you most likely have a local credit union close enough to you, or at least like a small town bank. Uh, just and it's and it's not that much different, you know. All the credit unions still have apps; they still have you know, mobile checking and all this other stuff, like you're not really going to lose anything the way that you do if you ditch like Twitter for Getter or something like that. Yeah. You know, you're not taking a huge chunk in your life um, or even like a big cost, like you are going to the farmer's market instead of Walmart. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest things that I tell people to do is uh, stop giving big banks your money. Absolutely. And that was in talking about that. Um, there's a level of so we we touched on this earlier of like taking people under your wing and like having building those relationships with people 
you can do that a lot better with the farmer's market because those people want to build those relationships with you because they mm-hmm. they depend on you like each and every one of their customers is incredibly important for them for their livelihoods for them making it and as we talked about the anarchist of i'm going to be successful with or without like all these different things i'm going to be successful these are those small businesses these are those farmers markets these are your soap makers it, literally if you go down to so many people haven't been to a farmers market in the last ever um you can get so many things there this isn't when you go to a farmer's market it's not just food vendors lined up you have coffee small town small shop or small coffee shops holy smokes small coffee shops you have soap vendors you have shirt makers you have shirt designers you have um all these different people from all these different fields that say I'm going to go to this farmer's market. I'm going to, I'm going to spend money to come to this farmer's market. And so you can have an opportunity to not only go there, but to be able to work. And if you have a marketable skill to be able to work with these people, you guys can both build off of one another. You can do voluntarist um, interactions or transactions where, you know, my wife being a graphic designer and, and being goddamn amazing at it. Um, she is able to go and meet up with some of these people and say, look, we can't really afford to do these big loads for events that we're doing, but what I can do is I can do this for you. And without any currency being transacted, both lives are made so much better through the fruits mm-hmm. of the labor. And and so it's things like that that we can really take that <coughs> liberty stance and, and personify it and help build up both people or both mm-hmm. sides of these transactions. And you can only really do that. Go try to talk to your cashier at Walmart. <laughs> like, hey, bud, I uh, can't really afford this. Yeah, get the fuck out. Oh, oh okay. Um, you can do this only through those small people. Mm-hmm. And they can make a big impact for you. Um, it, it's it's such a beautiful thing. I, I, yep. I love my wife for going there, but she spends way too much money there, too. Um, Amazon and Farmer's Market. They get all my money. I... I <laughs> it is what it it's is it's like the the best and the worst yeah oh there's no there's no in between with us we're not mm-hmm. going to like the middle size markets we're either going to like big guy like amazon we get everything or we go to little guy and we get we get like fruits vegetables and we get you know all these things and and my wife has made so many beautiful i, I i'm the introvert i don't i don't leave this house this is this is my my sanctuary this is my fort i don't leave she goes out there and she builds beautiful relationships and it can only be done by, by meeting those small markets. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, what else? Yeah. What else? Well, I was, I was going to say, uh, just to bring the conversation back full circle to the, the talent and skills that aren't normally associated with Liberty, mm-hmm. go to your farmer's market, meet a bunch of people, establish yourself as that awesome libertarian dude in your town, uh, find some graphic, designer artist something that's at your farmer's market selling paintings or something and have them do some stuff for your county party or whatever candidate you're running this year like make that connection because stop ignoring graphic designers and artists in the liberty movement we need them our stuff looks like shit stop yeah no and and (laughs) it's such a it's such a good point because it's like when you go out there and you do that, right? If you get somebody who's good, somebody who has a marketable skill that can benefit the party or benefit your campaign, mm-hmm. they now are kind of stuck while working with you of learning a little bit about our stances. 
and that can be the chipping of the dam that that opens a floodgate and just douses their their bush of liberty um don't don't mm-hmm. google that so um douses their their liberty bush and and helps it be prosperous jesus christ yeah it's coming back <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um yeah and and i'll i'll also throw out there like if you if you can't afford like $150 for a brand, a logo and a branding kit and everything for your campaign, don't run for office. Yes. So I, I spoke with this on when I had uh, Brian Scott Lambert on. And mm. when I'm, he keeps telling me he won't do a podcast and he doesn't want to do podcasts and he, he won't go on podcasts. I've been trying to get him on my show for months. I love that guy. I think that what he does for Spike is, is so important. And I think there are so many people out there that would be able to do similar things yeah. that, that need to hear from him and know what he does and that, how important his skill set is. And he keeps dodging me. Don't, don't Fucker. hate him for this. So <laughs> the only way that I could get him on was first of all, um, I taught him a skill, so it kind of forced him almost borderline at a metaphorical gunpoint of, "Hey, you're gonna learn how to smoke, uh, smoke pulled pork." Um, so come over to my house at three a.m. so I can go drive to Atlanta to go pick up, um, Cajun Libertarian and his wife from the airport. So you're gonna learn how to to smoke some pulled pork. So he had to learn a skill. And then while I was, while he was here, I was like, and I'm going to get you on for an in-person interview. Well, that fell through. So I was like, well, you said you do the in-person interview. So now you have to do on the <laughs> podcast. So you have to, you have to find that inroad of forcing him. Um, but he is not somebody who likes doing that, but it was, um, but when we were talking about it, he talked about like the necessities for campaigns of you have to be available. You have to be able to raise money. You have to be able to, to, to get your face out there, to get a logo, to get a brand and all those things. And so, yes, absolutely. 100%. If you're not available financially or in your work schedule, and he may have told a couple anecdotes on that, um, <laughs> don't run for office, but, mm-hmm. but for us in, in, in our day-to-day lives, it's almost becomes so many people have like that friend that they can call each and every week and they can talk with them and talk about like what's going on in their lives. And, you know, you just go and sit down and have a beer with them or just meet up for dinner and all these other things. Do this with people outside the Liberty movement, find people mm-hmm. that have marketable skills and bring them into the Liberty movement. They're who is within the Liberty movement. This is what I've seen is that we like to support ourselves. We like to support each other. And and so we do this routinely. And if we can find people outside the liberty movement and we can support them, they're going to come back and support us. They're going to learn from us. And we're going to be able to make a cultural shift. We're going to make a societal shift through that. And and the spiderweb effects and everything else um, from that is we are going to culturally change our entire society to become more libertarian. And, of course, politics is downstream of culture. So mm-hmm. as we change that culture, we're going to make that big effect. And And so... You know that 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 interaction may yeah it's a farmer oh he 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 plants fields or he yeah he he grows his crops and he brings them to the market like what could good could he do amazing things because mm-hmm. how many customers does he have every year how many people is he interacting with how many people call on him to talk with him so if you can make an impact with him you're making an impact with hundreds of thousands of people potentially um I, yeah I think it's beautiful. Yeah, and I think the 
you know, what you're talking about with the hanging out and just building that connection with non-libertarians, uh, I'll bring it back to what I was saying earlier about the similarities between evangelism and, and spreading liberty. Yeah. We can't be afraid to talk about our beliefs. Uh, a lot of times, you know, if you're living the actual libertarian life philosophy that I'm talking about, if you're in the good camp from that dichotomy I, yeah. I brought up earlier, you don't like forcing your opinions and your ideas on other people and you don't want to. And that's good. But that doesn't mean that you have to hide them. Talking about what you believe is not the same as forcing it down someone else's throat. And uh, we got to have the balls to, to speak up about it because the other team is doing that. Uh, you know, people are, are sliding in little statist bullshit yes. into TV shows and into conversations and into music and commercials and all of this other uh, shit. Like uh, we need to be doing that same thing. And we can talk about what we believe. We can talk about the fact that, you know, I haven't paid taxes in four years. I'm not afraid to say that. I'm not afraid to tell my friends that. Like, I've been smoking weed for quite a while. Um, and I used to hide that um, until uh, actually, uh, this was before I was even really loudly libertarian. I, I was in a position where I was the CEO of a finance company at the age of 20. And uh, was a stoner, like complete, like all day, all day, every day kind of stoner. Uh, and I realized that I had to stop hiding that um, and try to help break down the stereotypes of like lazy stoner or whatever. Yeah. Like if I can be a stoner and a, and a finance CEO at, at 20, like you can be a stoner and be whatever you want. And like, I started talking about that and we need to do that with more of these kinds of issues. Uh, I think uh, you, I'm going to keep talking about Dan Berman because you just had him on and he's a great guy. Uh, I think he's one of the best people in the movement about this. You know, he is unapologetically an anarchist. He lives it. Um, he doesn't have a driver's license. He doesn't pay taxes. He doesn't, uh, you know, he literally smuggles drugs into the country to sell them cheap and save people's lives. Like he's impacting people's lives with anarchy in a positive way. Yeah. And we can talk about that. Like, I don't give a shit that like smuggling insulin into the country is a federal crime. Like I'm proud of the fact that I have friends that are committing federal crimes that help save people's lives. And if we keep hiding that amongst our friends, we're never going to get that cultural change that you're talking about. Yeah. And, and you're talking about this on the social aspect of, you know, not being afraid this. So I work on an assembly line. There are hundreds of people that work around me and working 10 hour shifts somebody's going to bring up a political point. Somebody's going to bring up a status point, right? Somebody's going to say, you know, this should be a crime or this should be treated this way. When we have those conversations with people, when those conversations happen around me, like they know I'm the radical libertarian. Like they're, they, they all know, like, they're like, don't talk politics when Jason's around, like, don't mention it. Because as soon as you do, Jason's going to give you like that one liner and he's going to leave you at it. And everyone else is going to go, that guy's an idiot. Jason just just destroyed him with one line and and he walked away. He just let that simmer. Um don't be afraid to to talk about your your views. Put in a way that's not condescending, that's not argumentative, that's not aggressive, but be like, "Hey, look, you know, um so for example, uh, January 6th when that just happened. 
Mm-hmm. You had people that were like, that was an insurrection. They were t- trying to tear down the fabrics of, of our constitution, of our federal government, this, that, and the other. And I said, and how many federal agents were, were engaging with those, those people involved in that day? How many people were letting them in? How many people were, um, at least a dozen that we know of. Yeah. I, it was just like, so there's a lot of, of things in there that don't really add up to that conclusion, mm-hmm. but I'll let, I'll, I'll let you figure that out. And, and, you know, I walk away and I go back to, to doing my job and they go, well, you know, it, it just gets them stuck. And so that's what mm-hmm. we have to do. Don't be afraid to, to point out like the clear contradictions of what's being said. If it really was an insurrection, if it really was them trying to tear down our entire nation, I'm pretty sure Ashley Babbitt wouldn't be the only person that was shot that day. Mm-hmm. You know? Was it was it bad in some ways? Yeah, because they were trying to fart, fight for fart for one fight for one one status over another status, one gun grabber over another gun grabber, one guy who wanted to increase the cost of living over another guy that wanted to increase the cost of living, one guy that wanted to to one new, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say one New York Democrat over another New York Democrat. Yeah, like <laughs> you just wanted to pick a team. Like there's a lot of bad things there, but. At least me personally, I am still a fan of the Jeffersonian idea that every 20 years or so, we need to remind the people in power who gave them that power. Um, And so we can't be we can't be ashamed of our views. We can't be apologetic for our views, but we have to be able to, to get out there and spread it. And so now I have people on the line that are like, I won't talk to you publicly about this because I don't want to be shamed for it, for how stupid I sound. But I want to know what is the libertarian answer on this? What is the solution on this? What is the history of this? And the one thing that libertarians are grotesque about is that we are fucking nerds. (laughs) We know too much goddamn shit. um, Mm -hmm. And we're willing to, to dump it all on you. So as long as we can get messaging down right, we can create those converts. We can bring people to liberty and, and it's only through 100%. those social interactions. Yeah. And I, I think uh, when we focus on the actual life philosophy of liberty and we try to bring people to that, uh, it's a lot easier in the end than trying to make someone a libertarian politically. Because if you're battling someone on a political battleground, you have to win them over on at a minimum, probably at least seven or eight key like yeah. policy planks, depending on where they're coming from. Uh, you know, that and that's at a minimum. That's like a nice constitutional conservative Republican that's like a fan of Rand Paul and and Thomas Massey. You've got to break them down on like six or seven issues. Yeah. Then, you know, like way more than that, depending on who you are. Uh, and you have to fight them logically on each and every one of those issues until they finally realize that they've that they're a libertarian where if you're bringing them into just like the actual life philosophy and the non-aggression principle and like just the like you said at the beginning don't hurt people don't take their stuff um and then they're going and applying that new life philosophy to all of those platform planks themselves and then they'll come to you like you're saying with those questions of okay, so there's this, but, but I kind of think this and like, what's, what's your take on it? What's the libertarian take on it? And, and they'll, they'll move on those issues and maybe they'll argue with their status friend on something, you know, they play devil's advocate in an argument and realize that they like 
the libertarian stance a little bit better because they talked to you enough to know the libertarian stance and they felt like arguing it that day. Like I've seen that work. That's worked on me yeah. on a couple of these issues. Um, so, uh, you know, if you're, if you're giving them that actual philosophy and then allowing them to apply that to politics, it is so much faster and so much more whole and complete of a transition than if you try to break them down on guns, then taxes, then uh, then legalized weed, then cocaine, then heroin, you know, yeah. you just, it's so much more tiring that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I was thinking of, um, when you were talking about that, I, I was thinking of, I have a, a family that I'm glad that my camera went blurry. Um, I have a family that lives near me. They're, they're activists for the Republican party. They worked for president Trump's uh, campaign team, you know, through and through Trump, Trump, Trump. And, and I'm not going to knock them for that. Um, but in having conversations with them, I had found a lot of stances that they did agree with the libertarians on until they found out what Trump's stance was. And it was, it was just having those, those philosophical conversations around it that I actually, this was, this was something that I, I, for the organization I worked for, um, I became known nationally for it. Um, I took them and gave them civil asset forfeiture before they had heard about it from Trump and the campaign and the Republican party. And I told them, Hey, look, you know, this is legalized theft from, from the police. They're able to take your property, your money, your cars, your homes, your boats, whatever it is that they want to take. And they don't have to charge you with a crime. They went, that's terrible. And, and from that, they went and they met with Republican candidates at the time we had a special election for sheriffs. And they cornered a sheriff candidate and they said, what's your stance on civil asset forfeiture and why are you wrong? Because they knew he was kind of wishy-washy on it. And, you know, they cornered him. And so I didn't break them on all their stuff because when we would have conversations, it was, well, you didn't break down how, how the world would work without, or without laws against drunk driving or laws against speed limits and all these other things. But I got mm -hmm. them to change on those one things. And now they're at least more accepting of of at least hearing what the libertarian solution is, but yeah. So it's, it's, it's a work. Go ahead. I'm glad you brought up the, the laws against drunk driving point. Cause that's something that I kind of missed from, from my monologue earlier um, is that uh, the other thing that's so much easier when you're, when you're talking the philosophy over the politics is that you actually realize what true anarchy is uh, and that like literally no anarchist or libertarian or any person that actually knows what they're talking about in this area has ever once said that getting rid of the state would solve all the problems. Yep. Um, never. Like, like we are not utopians. We never have been. We never will be. That's not what we're talking about. The Republicans and the Democrats, they try to sell a utopia all the time and so people are just used to that and they expect your philosophy to be able to answer all the questions but when you're actually a libertarian or an anarchist and you're you're believing that to your core you realize that it's not going to solve all the problems but there's going to be a lot less problems that that drunk drivers are going to kill and hurt less people if left to just do whatever the fuck they want with no repercussions than a state with a monopoly on violence does currently. Yeah. We are able to kill millions more people every year because of the amount of power that we have. Yeah. And, and when you, you don't have to answer to the, all those bullshit questions of like, oh, but my roads, 
like that that doesn't come up if you're actually talking the philosophy yeah no you're absolutely right and and i don't i don't want to harp on the drunk driving thing but it was like you know well what has the drunk driving thing actually allowed well allows for dy checkpoints dy checkpoints are, are staunchly against the fourth amendment because you know a judge can't say anyone driving across this specific area is now um has a justifiable reason to be searched and seized and, and everything else in accordance with the fourth amendment. No. So, I mean, we have all these things there. So there's like gross constitutional errors that are being made within that, but, um, but we can, we could talk about that. And so like the important thing of, of that conversation is, is Thomas soul. So aptly put this in a quote of, you know, there are no solutions. There are only trade-offs. And we're saying, look, without this government, the way that is functioning, we would be better off. And and so we can have some of those conversations there. But really, at the end of the day, those are worthless conversations when we have so much more of the state that we want to tackle to begin with, which is why, like, when I go and I talk about school choice and I say, look, you know, let's fund the students. Let's not fund the systems. Let's not fund the school, the, the, the teachers and all these other things. Let's fund the students. The students go to a school and then those teachers, those school districts get paid because they have students there. Let the students choose if they want to go to Walmart or Target for school. They get to have that decision or the parents do. Mm-hmm. Um and that somehow leads to drug driving and all those other things because they can't handle it on the philosophical thing that you're pointed at that you're saying, look, this is destroying our country right now. This is hurting our our future as a nation everything else. And so the libertarian answer is to first of all to reduce those tax burdens on people, but to allow for people to have the choices for where they get their education from. Um and it really does speak to that idea that they can't handle that, so that's why they jump over to something else. We have to be able to keep doing that. And and so it's um, – there's a comment here, and I want to read it. Anarchists are misrepresented also. The state doesn't have the monopoly on violence. Have you lived on a block the police wouldn't enter? Oof. Oh. Oh. I didn't finish reading that one. Um, yes. Um, they mm, – so the reason why it's called the monopoly on violence is because the the what we have seen with qualified immunity and everything else is that police are able to do things and not be found guilty of it. But had you or I done it and be sent through the justice system, we would not be treated the same. Um, so that's why it's considered the monopoly on violence on that. But um, but we have so monopoly much- on legalized violence is a more go. accurate phrase. There we go. Um, but so when we have these conversations, it's posed in that way to help change that that specific topic. Don't let people take you away to other conversations and say, "Look, you know that that's not where it is." Let's steer the conversation back. But we can, by not being ashamed to to bring this full circle, to not being ashamed to have those conversations, to not be afraid to espouse the libertarian position, views, and everything else, to allow for those to stand alone. You don't have to back them up. You don't have to support them. Just give it to them and walk away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I'll say to the to that comment, I have lived on blocks that cops were too afraid to go down, and I always felt safer there than in the blocks that were heavily policed. That's true too. Mm. But I don't. I don't want to dive too much in in the police yeah. state of having. Um, <laughs> undercover cars sit there for revenue schemes and everything else um but no tonight has been an amazing conversation um i I was 
kind of i don't know how to wrap this up without sounding abrupt um <laughs> there is so much good bits in here that I, I i hope that if you guys came in late you guys will go back and watch this but david you're a, an incredible fighter for for liberty um <laughs> one more pun in there before the wrap up I appreciate um it. yeah thanks for having me on dude this was great <sighs> I, I can't thank you enough for coming on. I'm I'm hopeful that you'll come back again. And um, I, I think we've got oh, our next sure. show lined up. Uh, just a matter of getting the timing down for that one. Um, and we'll probably have a, a litany more because of the, the different tidbits that you brought up tonight. Um, but it, it was incredible to be able to have you on this year. Um, you started off, it was actually, it was my, if you guys have not, go over to Fight for Liberty. You can go back and find the episode I was on it. It was an incredible time there. Um, and check out the rest of the lineup on, on Fight for Liberty. And it's, it's, a, it's a list of heroes, of modern-day heroes, <laughs> um, all with this man. And I couldn't thank you enough for coming on tonight. Yeah, thanks again. What, um, before I, I pull the plug, why don't you give us a couple plugs? Where, where can we find you? What are your Twitter handles, your social medias, everything? Where can we find more David so we can fight the good fight? Um, so I'm Twitter. Uh, my personal account is more active than the Fight for Liberty one. So that's at David Fight. Um, then at Fight for Liberty on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, I don't really post to Instagram that much anymore. Um, you can watch the podcast on YouTube and Odyssey. Uh, or you can listen on all of your favorite things uh, through Anchor. Um, and yeah, uh, definitely go back, check out the episode with Jason. I've had everyone from Muddied Waters on the show at some point in time. So you can check one. out. <laughs> yeah, I, he, was, he was the last stone in my Muddied Waters Infinity Gauntlet, and it was great. <laughs> uh, but also some pretty dope people like uh, Glenn Kane Jacobs, Mark Pellegrino, Dave Smith, Scott Horton, Carrie Wedler. Um, yeah, I, I like I said, I I cannot be like gracious enough for some of the the crazy people that I got to meet and interact with last year. So there's a lot of cool episodes back then, and then uh, we've got a nice lineup coming up, uh, including the wonderful Kelsey Lyon. Ooh, I like her. Oh, uh, just a smidgen. <laughs> but no, just so, a smidgen. Yeah, just a smidgen. She's gonna punch me later. It's fine. Uh, it's not that <laughs> violation if you're married or something. I don't know. I, I don't know the philosophy well enough. <laughs> but with that, man, I, I appreciate it so much. And um, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up, and I'll, I'll see you in the, in the back room here in a minute. All right. All right. Appreciate you, David. Uh, have a good night, man. All right. That's going to be it for tonight. Um, I want to thank you guys all for, for hanging out. That was an incredible interview with David. I, I appreciate him so much and all the things that he's been doing. Um, as I said, this week we have the full lineup once again. So we have tonight, of course, you have the Muddy Water, or the Mr. Merc of the Beard of Truth. Tomorrow night you have Matt and Spike coming back, fighting the COVID and surviving. They're here to traverse the Muddy Waters of Freedom or the Muddy Waters of the News. Um, tomorrow night at Muddy Waters of Freedom. Wednesday night will be My Fellow Americans with Spike Cohen. And then Thursday night, instead of the normal writer's block, we will have the Muddy Zoom. So make sure you guys get on over there to anchor.fm slash muddiedwaters slash subscribe and get on board, get the email, and join us this Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern-ish, Eastern. 
where you get to hang out with the community and have a good time with that. And other than that, I love you guys. I appreciate you guys all. My show may be on a pause for a little bit. We have to figure out something going on with my personal situation. I promise you everything is on the good. Uh, It's on the up. So keep my fingers crossed for some good news coming this way this week. But with that, um, I will let you guys know probably this Thursday night if we're going to have a show upcoming this Monday. If not, maybe having to take a little hiatus for good news and good fortunes. Um, But with that, you guys all be well, be good, keep fighting the good fight, take care, and I'll see you guys soon.